Well, May, May is the month of, of Mother's Day, um, and here at Village Church Rollsville this month in May, we've been focusing on uh, women, and particularly women in Scripture, who teach us about the life of faith and about God. And so over the past four weeks, we've looked at a different female character in the Bible um, to see what we can learn um, from her. So uh, the first week, we talked about Hannah and, and learned about uh, and, and saw her ability to pray and to trust God in the midst of waiting. And then the following week, we learned about the, the, the loyal love that Ruth showed Naomi and how it points to God's loyal and faithful love with us. Uh, then we heard about uh, Mary and her willingness to say yes to God, even when God's plans interrupted her plans. And then last week, we learned about Priscilla uh, and her willingness to be both host and guest for the sake of the gospel and Christian hospitality in the early church. And we've been fortunate enough to also hear um, about female characters from female voices, and we've had some uh, wonderful female preachers uh, share uh, with us as well, for which we're, for, we're grateful. Today we finish out this Her Story series by looking at uh, the church's very first preacher, a woman who has gained a, a rather unfair and, and, and inaccurate reputation down through the centuries, but someone who has much to teach us, Mary Magdalene. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us, that we might bear fruit for you in your kingdom. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our, our scripture lesson, if it sounds familiar, uh, it, it should be. Uh, we, we read it about a month and a half ago on Easter Sunday. Um, but the, the gospel lesson comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Listen for God's word. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb and... We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up on its own, in its own place. Then the other disciple the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She, tur he, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher, Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he had said to her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank the Lord for the women. I know all of you women here this morning are tuning in online are probably thinking, yeah, we know that. We know we make the world go round. <laughs> but in all seriousness, thank the Lord for the women who followed Jesus. Perhaps you remember, maybe you need reminding, that following Jesus' death, <clears throat> his chosen disciples, now 11 instead of 12, were scared and scattered about. These disciples had followed Jesus. They learned from Jesus. They experienced life with him. They had seen him executed on a Roman cross and buried. They had trusted in him, hoped in him. And so when he died, a part of them died too. They lost hope. They lost passion. They lost their witness. Peter is probably off feeling guilty somewhere for having betrayed Jesus three times. John is worrying anxiously about how he's going to care for Jesus' mother like Jesus asked him to do from the cross. Others, no doubt, are, are in denial or depressed or disengaged from the world, overtaken by grief and despair, afraid for their own lives. But thank the Lord for the women. You see, in every single resurrection account in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, women were the first to the tomb. Even when Jesus' dudes were scared and scattered. And at each and every account, we hear the good news of Jesus' resurrection first from the lips of a woman. So yeah, thank the Lord for the women. Thank the Lord for Mary Magdalene. John's gospel, which we just read and which we, we heard a month and a half ago on Easter Sunday, highlights Mary Magdalene as the woman who braves the, the still dark reality of Jesus' death and ventures to the tomb anyway. She, not a man, was the first witness to the risen Christ. She, not a man, was the first preacher of the risen Christ. And in Mary Magdalene, despite all this, uh, she's a kind of a fascinating case of misrepresentation getting in the way of reality. We first come across her in Luke chapter 8 as a woman Jesus had cast out seven demons from. She begins to follow him and Luke tells us that she and some other women begin supporting Jesus and the disciples out of their own resources. So right away, we see Mary, once a victim of some kind of torment or, or illness, has been cured by Jesus. So she was suffering from something. She was not causing something. She was not a, a troublemaker. In deciding to follow Jesus, she's now a disciple. And she put her money where her faith was. She supported the ministry financially. I don't know, maybe you've heard that, that, like, that she was a prostitute or she had some other kind of weird relationship with Jesus. Thanks a lot, Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical. Thanks a lot, Da Vinci Code. Actually, it's, it's Pope Gregory the Great's fault, so we can blame him, even though he was in the 6th century. 
In the 6th century, Pope Gregory the Great pronounced that Mary Magdalene was the same person as Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. He also said she was the same person as, the, as Mary of Bethany, uh, the woman with perhaps a questionable reputation who anointed Jesus' feet with her tears. So Pope Gregory effectively combined three women into one, those, thus minimizing their unique importance and uh, giving Mary, Mary of Magdala a reputation other than the one she actually deserves as being the first preacher of the resurrection. Because that's what she was. I mean, Mary came to the tomb while it was still dark when others did not, and she encountered a, an empty tomb, a risen Savior, who told her to tell the others what she had seen. Mary, a woman, the first to witness the risen Christ and the first to proclaim the good news. This, in a cultural context, where women were treated as second-class citizens and where the testimony of women was not considered as valid. And yet Jesus, the God of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, has no problem entrusting the world-changing, revolutionary good news that Christ is risen to her. After all, human beings might discriminate, but God does not. So, so then what does Mary Magdalene witness to the risen Christ? What does she witness to us? First, Mary shows us that sometimes we have to look for Jesus in the dark. Sometimes we have to look for Jesus in the dark. It was still dark early in the morning Still dark when Mary came to the tomb where Jesus was buried. Probably dark in more ways than one. Literally dark, yes, because it's early, but, but a sense of gloom and despair and sadness and confusion and pain and loss casting a dark shadow over the hearts and lives of, of those followers of Jesus. If you're human, you've been in the dark before too. You know what it is to feel afraid, alone, Confused, hopeless, full of uncertainty, pain, confusion. The dark is where it feels like God is absent. Where it seems like whatever we're going through will just keep going on and on. Where it's impossible to find our way. And yet, it is in the dark where God does God's best work. Death to life. Hope overcoming fear, love overcoming sin and, and evil. It's precisely in the darkness where Mary was stubbornly brave enough to linger, even through her tears, where she encountered Jesus. Will we go to meet Jesus in the doom and gloom and not just the light? Will, will we have the courage? To, to linger and stare and reach into the darkness and squeeze out sparks of light, in the words of you too, to encounter what God does in the darkness? Because in the beginning, God spoke into the darkness, said, let there be light, and there was light. And God begins a new creation in a dark tomb by raising Jesus from the darkness of death. Mary was willing to brave the dark long enough to see Jesus in all his glory. And she saw him and heard him call out her name, even through the tears. Friends, what a witness for us. Sometimes we have to look for Jesus in the dark. 
because he'll be there right with us, never leaving us, forsaking us, ready to, ready to call out our name. Second, <clears throat> Mary shows us that sometimes God uses unlikely mouthpieces to proclaim the gospel. Sometimes God uses unlikely mouthpieces to proclaim the gospel. I mentioned this earlier, but, but women in the first century were not well regarded, respected, or equitably treated. It was a thoroughly patriarchal society. Under Jewish law itself, the testimony of a woman was not accepted as valid. But Jesus doesn't say to Mary, hey Mary, why don't you go get Peter because I need to tell him as a man so that he can tell everybody else so that then it'll be credible. That's not what happened. You know, if the gospel writers were going to make up a story about Jesus being raised from the dead, they sure could have done a better job than choosing a woman to be the first witness. But Mary was the first to see the risen Christ and the first to share. She was driven by God from the sidelines and the periphery to the front lines and, and the center stage to preach. The good news of Jesus may be preached from what we consider to be unlikely people and places. And we need to be ready to listen. I remember when I was at my first appointment out of Duke Divinity School, fresh out of seminary, ready to reach the world for Jesus. And, and one of my responsibilities was meeting with people who needed emergency financial assistance, like with a light bill or past due rent. Um, I would sit down with them and hear their stories and situations and figure out if the church could partner with them to help pay their uh, outstanding balance, their, their bill. It always felt like it was, it was my job, my responsibility and opportunity to, to share the good news with them. Like they, they needed it and I had it, so I needed to give it to them. Until one day, I'll never forget, I, I asked a woman how she was doing and she proceeded to preach to me. To preach the gospel to me. Telling me with all the conviction and joy of Mary Magdalene about how she had experienced the presence and power of Jesus in her life. And then she prayed for me. Friends, we, we need to be willing to hear and receive the preached word from people and places that are from the margins. From the marginalized or unlikely candidates like Mary, often the ones society regards as, as less than or discriminates against are precisely the ones we most need to hear the gospel from. There's a danger in only listening to people who are exactly the same as us. We miss out on the infinite depth and goodness of the good news. The beauty of the gospel comes through in different keys, in different, in different colors when it's shared by people different than we are. So, so ask our, we need to ask ourselves this question. Who are the Marys? Who are the Marys that you and I need to listen to more when it comes to faith and the gospel? The truth is, we also need to be prepared for that moment when that unlikely preacher, that when that different preacher moved by God from the sideline to the front line with a word to share, word to preach is us. Like it was with Mary. 
We may not feel qualified. We may not feel worthy. We may not feel prepared. But nonetheless, need to preach good news. Whether the person's struggling with a difficult diagnosis or the person's struggling with regrets and past mistakes. I've been helping Gabriel with, with uh, soccer and been trying to communicate that if he's the closest person to uh, the soccer ball, it's, it's his job, not his teammate's job, it's his job to, to, to kick it or dribble it or pass it or shoot, whatever the case may be. He's the closest one to it. How much more so, friends, with the life of faith? If, if we're the closest person to the one needing a word of hope, encouragement, love, it's our holy privilege. It's our holy privilege to speak a word like Mary, to preach good news. Which leads to one final thing. Mary, through her witness, shows us what it looks like to preach good news. Mary's message was simple and it began like this. I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord and he's risen from the dead. That is news. That is news, not advice. It's an event, an experience. There's a big difference. Jesus did not tell her to say, Here, hey, here's what you have to do to get to heaven one day. That's advice. Nor did he tell her to say, hey, hey, fellas, Jesus, I saw Jesus and he said, you got to turn or burn. That's advice. Hey, here are the three steps for a happy, full life. That's advice. No, it's an announcement about something that has happened, something that God did in history because of which everything is different. News is just that. It's an announcement of something that is taking place, and because of it, something is different. Hey, good news, the baby is here, and now we welcome our first child. Hey, good news, my daughter just graduated from high school, and now she gets to go to college. Hey, good news, they found an effective vaccine for COVID. Uh, now more people can be protected, etc. Good news, I've seen the Lord. The gospel, the good news, as is at its heart about the event of Jesus' saving death and resurrection. And notice the news itself is also profoundly good, right? I mean, it is, after all, an announcement about Jesus' victory over sin and death. I mean, how much gooder does it get than that? It's, it's not boring or stale or irrelevant or judgmental or, uh, or scary, but supremely good, Good news. There's nothing more disheartening than to hear someone claiming to be preaching the gospel and it's sounding more like bad news. As followers of Jesus, we're called to preach good news. Like Mary. It doesn't have to be complicated. Mary simply begins by saying, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. Preaching the good news might look a lot like that. Sharing how we have seen and experienced the Lord at work in our lives. How have you seen the Lord? And the answer to that is good news you have that you can preach. The answer to that question is good news that you can preach. So yeah, thank goodness for the witness of women. <laughs> Thank goodness for Mary Magdalene. Thank goodness for her proclamation that Jesus Christ is risen, which forms the very foundation of our faith. Thank goodness for a God who shows up in the dark. Thank goodness for a God that shows up in the dark transforming and, 
and, and calls our name. Thank goodness that God summons all kinds of people to preach the gospel. Thank goodness that we have good news to share. May we all be ready to receive it and to proclaim it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.